so this is this is just a little short one right here. But there was uh, my mom when when I was growing up, she used to love to uh, she loved history, and she would anywhere we drove we went we drove, and she would stop in every little town. Never, you know, a lot of the loops weren't there then. Every town you just go around now, but we used to go through every little town, and she'd go to old graveyards and things like that, and show me where Grandma, Big Daddy, the the pastor in Brownwood, my great grandfather lived, and you know all that. But uh, I thought about her when I saw this. But there was a couple of men, and they were friends, you know, and they were going through an old church graveyard, you know, just checking out the tombstones, reading. None of you ever done that? Anyway, so so this one guy, he's, he, his friend's over there looking at one, and this guy goes, hey, man, this is incredible. He said, there's one here. This guy lived to be 150 years old. And he goes, no way. He goes, what was his name? He said, uh, Miles from Dallas. All right, some of you get that later. Praise God. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day. We thank you, Lord. We pray for all those who are in the tryptophan coma, who did not make it today or are traveling or entertaining a family. Lord, we just think, thank you that they keep you in the center of their lives and family and keep a thankful heart like we ministered last week. And we just love you, Lord, for what you're going to do today, for all those who are here today and who will hear this message in other nations and states and cities. And we just thank you, Lord, for them and it, that this word is anointed. It knows no boundaries or, or, or distance. Um, and we just thank you for loving us and helping us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, you know, I... I had my uh, my my beautiful wife and I had our uh, who is working. I I had to go and take her to work. She went to work yesterday. She works at the Estee Lauder, the the the, the cosmetics company store at the outlet mall. And uh, this time of year, they don't let them park in the parking lot. They have to park other places, get shuttled in, all that. She drove to work yesterday. Thankfully, I didn't have to take her to work at midnight or pick her up at four in the morning, that kind of thing like I've done in years past. <laughs> but she got there and she goes, can you, if I come home, will you take me to work? Absolutely. What's going on? She goes, I'm just going to have to park by a school on the street and then the shuttle, I don't see it. And I'm like, no, come home. I'll take you. So I went and took her and went and picked her up last night. And today she said it wouldn't be a problem. So pray for her. She's in the midst of, uh, of, uh. I, I saw a deal yesterday that said all, all, all the money some folks are spending on uh, Black Friday, they better pay their electric bill first. Otherwise, next Friday will be Black Friday, too. <laughs> I'm not one of those that gets online to try to find something to want, you know. <laughs> we want to get into word today. Amen. But we had our anniversary last week, and uh, I bought my wife some, yeah, thank you, bought my wife some the most beautiful bouquet of flowers. I mean, it had like two, three dozen roses just in the bouquet, like five different flowers, and it was just gorgeous. I had them put it all together in a nice vase and all that, took it to her at her job, and it really blessed her. But, you know, 
when I was there, the, the, the two ladies that were preparing the flowers, they're like, oh, aren't those so wonderful and beautiful? I'm like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my goodness, they just smell so wonderful. And the lady goes, I can't smell them. And I said, you can't smell them? She said, mm-mm. And, and she, I said, is it because, what, why? She goes, because we work around them so much, we just can't smell them. She turned to her friend, the other lady working there. She goes, can you smell flowers? She goes, mm, no. Nah. And I said, how sad that is that you do all this wonderful work and provide beauty and happiness and joy for folks, and, uh, and you can't even smell the beautiful aroma of these flowers. And so I was in Kroger's the day before yesterday, and uh, I asked the flower lady there. I made a trip over there where she was doing some balloons. I said, can you smell flowers? And she looked at me and she said, no. I said, that is so sad. And we had like a 15-minute conversation. And I told her, I said, that really... I said, it's really, I can't get that off of my mind. But anyway, we had a nice talk. and You know me. It's going to be about Jesus in about an hour. But, so I cut it short and gave her a break. But we did talk a little bit about Jesus. And I, but I, I was just thinking the same thing about the Word of God. And how, you know, familiarity can sort of breed contempt in our lives, and it can be the same way with the Word of God. Have you ever met somebody that they, you know, that family of skunks, like Andrew would say, they, 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 uh, they've been in church for 40 years, they, they have their own pew yeah. on, the, on the front row, but then they leave, they leave the church and they're just mean as snakes, you know? It's like, when did you stop Smelling the flowers, you know. When did you stop hearing the word? And I, I don't want that. I, I don't. That's none of you. Uh, I don't know all of you, but I, I, I know we have a couple of guests, and I just briefly caught where they're from. So it's none of you. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Maybe someone listening elsewhere. Praise God. Oh. Welcome to you in, uh, where, where was it? Massachusetts? Where? Connecticut. Connecticut. Praise God. We are praying for you in Connecticut. Thank you for listening. Thank you in San Angelo. Thank you in Singapore, in Frankfurt, Germany. Everywhere. I pray for all of you just like I do. All of those who are here in our midst. God bless you. But... I was just, uh, I'm thankful that it's none of you, but, but, but it is a danger. So we want to remember that, that even though, you, you know, you've known John 3.16, or, or like my wife's uh, favorite scripture, because she had to memorize a scripture when she was little one time, and so it was Jesus wept, you know. <laughs> but don't let it get so familiar to you that you can't hear it. You know, don't let your spouse get so familiar to you that you forget to remember what a blessing they are and be a blessing to them. Don't don't treat strangers better than you treat your own family. Amen. Don't 
don't forsake one for the other either. Do, do both. Amen. Oh, me. When we hear the word, we want to, you know, there's a, I don't want to get theological on you because I don't want to kill your enthusiasm for the word. But, but there's a lot that you're trying to, to, uh, to get out of the word. When you're listening, you should always be listening with a hearing heart for Jesus. And, and, and it's, it's what they call exegesis, not J, with, with a G, E-S. It's, it's a word. What you can, it's really a, a, a critical explanation of, a, of the text or the, the, the Bible to determine its original meaning and intent. So you can see what you can get out of it, right? And so there's lots of things you can glean. And you'll see that today probably, but you're looking at, you know, you can, you can learn something about it from its historical content. And also from the, the geographical content. And then, more importantly, the messianic content, especially the old covenants, all Jesus in type and shadow. Amen. Amen. And then the revelatory or the revelation content. You, wanna, you, you, you want the light bulbs going on. Amen. Huh? When I say something, you, you, you go preach it. You go, you go share it with a friend and, and you give me credit. Once or twice. And then, it's just truth. It's in you. It's yours. You don't have to give anyone credit. You know it now. Amen. The Holy Spirit has quickened it or made it alive in your spirit. You planted that seed and now it's germinated and taken root and bearing fruit in your life. Amen. It's helping you and now you're helping others with it. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach myself happy. Hallelujah. Boy, so many people missing out today. This is going to be good. I can tell. Y'all see my bookends today? Hello. They're just here to do God's bidding. Don't be afraid. Big, beautiful angels. Hallelujah. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2, which are sort of fundamental, foundational. Paul is basically begging us. Beseech you, brothers, I, I'm, I'm, I appeal to you, therefore, there's always a therefore, and it's based on all the wonderful things, all the riches of wisdom and knowledge and salvation that God has shared with us, this beautiful Roman road of grace that he has portrayed in Rome, and he gets to Romans 12, 1 and 2, and he says, because of everything that God has done by giving us his son Jesus Christ as a sacrifice that was necessary for something we could never do for ourselves. Make yourselves, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your reasonable sacrifice. I say or the, the, re, the, the problem with living sacrifices is what? They like to keep crawling down off the altar, right? And what you do when you realize that you've gotten out of the will or the way of the wisdom of God, you just crawl back up there. Amen. 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 <clears throat> do not be conformed or poured into the mold of the, of the world, but be transformed. That word metamorphosed, transformed like a caterpillar into the beautiful butterfly that God has created you to be as you, as you, 
as you know now, your spirits have been renewed and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You have the kingdom of God, the mind of Christ, the, every, everything good in you. All the love, joy, and peace you'll ever need in your life is right there in your born-again spirit. And this, this mind now, you're getting rid of all the junk that has been downloaded into this from this wicked, fallen world for all the years prior to your knowledge of Jesus. Amen. So now you're being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Coming into agreement with this word of God and with your born-again spirit. You know, the, the thing, though, is that you're learning, you're hearing today, hopefully, if you're not waxed cold, dip, 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 dip. I already heard that. See, that, that's why I use that scripture, because it's so familiar to you guys, because it's, it's fundamental, it's foundational, right? And, but don't let, it, don't let it stop speaking to you every time you read it. Don't let it say something. You know, let it be alive and active. Because today, it, you're hearing, but where, when does the transformation take place? Monday, huh? when you get out there in the world, when you go to your job, when you get out there on the highway, in Christmas traffic, in line, and you're already late and in a hurry, and there's four unthankful people in front of you, and you still let that elderly person get in front of you, huh? It's... Are you going to hang on to the word? Are you going to protect it and nurture it like a, a brand new garden that you just tilled the soil and prepared and, and made it all ready, the garden of your heart, and put that, that, that new seed in there, and now you're just waiting, standing in faith, and you're going to keep the weeds out. You're going to protect it until it, uh, those are allowed to germinate and, and take root and bear fruit in your life. Amen, or oh me. So I, I want to I I give you the same scripture I started with last week. Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything. That's, that's important. That's the negative. It's, we're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be worriers, folks. It doesn't mean we just stick our head in the sand and don't think about it. It doesn't mean that we're not... God is a reasonable God, you know? Doesn't mean we deny the facts. This isn't Christian science, which isn't Christian or science. And don't be anxious for anything. Here's where I'm going, though. But in everything, this means everything. In the Greek, that means everything. So all the time, in all things, in all ways, by prayer... And supplication with thanksgiving. And so that's where I was going last week. Let your request be made known to God. So in everything be thankful was the point last week because Thursday was Thanksgiving. But I want you to look at that scripture and I want you to let it be alive and active today. And I want you to let it speak to you this way. What's the first thing in everything? What he mentioned? By prayer. By prayer, let your in everything without worrying, but don't worry, but pray. Just pray. 
You a child of the Most High God. Got your picture in his wallet. Yes, I know, my portrait is on the mantle. I saw you laughing. But you need to, you need to claim that too, amen. Last week I said Christians above all people should be thankful people. This week, the first thing it mentions, pray. And listen, I want to tell you this. Pray for everyone. Pray for everyone. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna say some things. You don't have to raise your hand because I already know. But there's some people you don't want to pray for. But God wants you to. Yeah. He does. Why don't we want to pray for those folks, though? Some of them aren't nice. Another reason is we don't really know or embrace our true identity, our authority, our power and responsibility as ambassadors here in this sick and dying world. Most of you know my wife. Y'all don't know her. You don't really know her, though. (laughs) Sam knows her pretty good. I told her the other day, I said, honey, I was looking at her like this. If you're married, you know what that look is. I said, honey, I said, I know once we're born again, we're all aliens and ambassadors to this world. This is no longer our home. I said, but you're a special kind of alien. And I know you men are sitting there going, oh, no, you went too far, brother. Huh? You know what my wife did? Oh, thank you, honey. She came and hugged me. You know me. You love me. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's a trip. And she's awesome, and I love her. But we're... <laughs> we are ambassadors here, and that's one of the second reasons. So people aren't nice. We don't really walk in our true authority and identity and purpose. And what we don't know, sometimes we're just ignorant of the truth. We, we're growing today in the grace and knowledge. So we're all ignorant just on different subjects, as Pastor Greg Moore would say. But what we don't know is killing us. What we don't know is killing us and... And, and I'm not trying to put a guilt, anything Jesus bore on the cross, you don't have to, but it's allowing others to die. What you don't know isn't only killing you, but it's allowing others to die. If you're really walking in your true identity and purpose in this life, I mean, he didn't just take you up to heaven or put you over in a, a special group of blessed people when he saved you and keep you separate from the rest of the world. No, he left you amongst them for a reason, didn't he? You are the salt and light, right? You're the preservative. <laughs> and the light to a sick and dying world. Then the fourth thing is that we forget to have compassion, remembering that we once were like them. Huh? Yep. The others. The sandpaper people in your life. <laughs> ah. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9. 
I'm just going to, I'm going to labor on this until you're just going, oh my gosh. Just a little bit. All the T's back there. There's five T's in a row. You know I like the number five so much. It is the number for grace, and I just love it. Born 5565, five, the youngest of five. That God had to beat me over the head with grace for me to get it. To get out of condemnation. Second Timothy chapter three. Starting at the first verse. I'm just going to read a little bit. But understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty, perilous or fierce times, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good, God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. It doesn't mean don't pray for those people. It means what do light and darkness have in common? Set yourself apart. You know, I call it the stick and move. You know what I mean? God usually will never call you back to what he called you out of. If you just two weeks out of the crack house and filled with the Holy Ghost, don't think God is telling you to go right back over there and get them all saved today. He's not. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> there is a time. I can go anywhere. I mean, there, and there was a time in my life when I, I, you know how I chose a restaurant? Does it have a good bar and can you smoke there? That, yeah. When I, when I did, when I ordered from the from the left side of the menu, not the right side. I, you know, but the main thing was not the food, really. It was about, did they have a bar and could they let me smoke? Anyway, I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying. But I can go anywhere now. And I had a lot worse trouble than that. Been through a lot worse, done a lot worse. But I could go anywhere and minister the love of God and not even be moved by any of the junk. Ever, but it, you know, that's, I've got a lot, I got a lot of loving Jesus under my belt now, you know what I mean? I, I can't even think about those things in a good way anymore because it's just, I'm like, I don't even know that person, that person died and now the new person has been renewed for long enough that I can go and share the truth with those who are in the same kind of trouble I was at one time, but I never forget that, Amen. First, Colossians 3, I, I don't know how many of these I need to do, but I'm going to just show you a few more of the ugly. And you're saying, yeah, 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 all that. <laughs> that's why I don't pray for them. They're, that's exactly how most of the people I know are. <clears throat> Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Okay, Colossians chapter 3. God wants to remind us of something here. If you then have been raised with Christ, raise your hand. You're all born again, right? You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Isaiah 26.3 I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because they trust me. Yeah, so if you're trusting the Lord, 
You're not going to let all the, the noise of this world get in. You, you're in this world, but you're not of it. Keep your mind on your real home and your real, your real family. Amen. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. You have to reckon yourself dead. You have to see it that way, that you really did die and were born again. You, you, when, you went, when, you, when you were born again, it really did happen that way. You were in Christ on that cross. And then when you got water baptized after you got saved, it's just an outward expression of an inner commitment and change that had already taken place. Just burial, rose to new life with Christ. But that's a, a, a natural picture and something Jesus asked to do of a spiritual truth that had already taken place inside of you. Amen. The baptism that saved you was your baptism into Christ, not the water baptism. Amen. Rome. Okay. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So, so just like the devil was defeated, but he ain't dead. He's still here and in charge and trying to influence you through your flesh. You still have this flesh that you're walking around. Without this, you know, we're, we're earth beings. We're going to come back and rule and reign in this earth just with a different earth suit, a better one. Amen. <laughs> Put to death the things, sexual immorality, impurity. See, these things aren't in your born-again spirit. You're as pure as the driven snow in your born-again spirit, incorruptible and sealed. So where are they? Grab, grab, everybody get your basketball. Hold it in your hands. Soccer ball. Okay. Now, now here you go. <laughs> There's your problem, right? Okay. So, <laughs> right between your ears. So, because this body is not going to go anywhere. This hasn't gone already. Huh? All right. All right. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked. Listen, that's you do. You have a big, beautiful windshield in your car, and I hope it's clean and lovely on a beautiful day like this. You need to be looking ahead and not behind. But you do have a small rear view mirror that you need to consult from time to time, don't you? <laughs> For safety. And to remind you that you once too were like the rest of the world. Living in, in all those other things, right? I've listed a bunch. Praise God. Thank you. Listen, I want to skip down to the 12th verse of chapter 3 of Colossians. Paul says, put on then, would that imply that you have a part to play? <laughs> huh? I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. Listen, God's waiting on you. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, something good to remember, 
holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. You need to put on a compassionate heart. Well, I thought I was born again and I have. In your spirit, you are compassionate. You have Jesus. It's the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in this temple. And he's always compassionate and good. But you, so you need to understand, that's what exegesis is all about. I'm talking about what you take out of the word, the revelatory knowledge. You need to understand spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, so that you understand. Sometimes he's talking to your spirit man. Sometimes he's talking to you about your flesh and your, your soulish realm, your mind, will, and emotions, which is being renewed. Amen. And sometimes he's just talking about the physical body. But really when he's talking about the flesh, it's usually your fleshy mind because it's controlling this body. If you get this soulish realm, this mind, will, and emotions in agreement with your born-again spirit, this body is going to follow suit. Amen. So he says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, you got to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another in love, Etc., etc., and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So, you already have all these things, folks. Otherwise, God would be unjust to tell you to put it on. But it's in your born again spirit. So, if it's if you already have it, etc., so why is it necessary to put it on? Because the spirit. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And you're a spirit. You're perfect and holy. And, and one third of your salvation is done. But the part of you that is visible and necessary to, uh, to change in this life is, and come in agreement with God is your soulish realm. And so therefore, you, need, you, you already have the wardrobe. But you've got to put it on. Compassion, he's not talking to your body. A compassionate heart isn't your body. You need to take and draw the compassion of Jesus and agree with it and speak it and walk it out. And look, a lot of these things aren't feelings. We're not talking about something. You can't even discern your spiritual man who is perfect and holy with your natural senses. That's why we need to walk in our sixth sense, which is the law of faith working in our lives. Huh? And faith works by love. Okay, so you already have all this, all this stuff, but you got to put it on. That's your part. God provides. Yeah, yeah. Hold up your credit card and say, "I provide for that spouse or those kids," but I ain't gonna get them dressed every morning. Hello. God has provided you with everything you need for life, this life, and godliness. According to his riches and glory, which is plentiful, and, and, and you can take all you want and it never depleted one bit. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 6.
I don't want to get bogged down here. Verse 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I say that, no, let's skip that. Go to the ninth verse. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? You think that's a reason to shoot somebody with your grace gun? Or does it make you want to pray for them, knowing that who are the righteous? Those who have been redeemed and, 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 and made in right standing because of the blood of Jesus, by accepting him by faith. Amen. Right? So everyone who hasn't, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And if you know what that means, to be void of light and life and love, you would never want that even for your worst enemy. You would only want them, Jesus, to get a hold of their heart and change them. Best thing ever happened. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. There's his list again. And such were some of you. I'll say all of you. The only reason he said some is because this was not an exhaustive list. He left some things off the list, but you were on the you were on some of the other lists that I've listed, and I can I can show you other lists, and you <laughs> you know we were all on that list. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and if you fail at just one point of the law, you're guilty of it all. That's how holy God is. So you either be perfectly perfect or have a Savior who is. Amen. Amen. So we were all on the list. You're like, oh, okay, Pastor. Well, well which, which, which things were you? <laughs> well, which things were you? you? When you get up here, you can share that. Amen. But here's the better part. But you were washed. He says, you once were these things. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but I still... Sometimes, maybe. But you were washed. You were sanctified, 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 set apart and made holy. You were, past, present, perfect tense, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So you have been made righteous, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, holy when God looks at you. He either sees Adam, fallen man, or he sees Jesus. And when he looks at all of you, he sees pure gold. He can't see past the blood on that mercy seat, which shows those broken commandments and the, the rebellion against uh, Aaron's authority and leadership. Huh? The manna from heaven that he provided that they complained about. He can't see any of that stuff that reminds him of your sin because all he sees is the blood of his son Jesus and his son Jesus sitting at his right hand saying, Dad, that's one of mine. You can still go do some of those things, but, get, but when you do, you don't enjoy it. Not like you did before. Why? God has granted you repentance. Now you have a repentant heart. 
When you make a mistake, I can say something to my wife, and I, I can't even, you know, it, it, it may not even be that bad. You know, but it was just my short or just didn't give her the time. I can't even stand it till I get up because because I'm after all, I'm preparing. I'm I'm in the word. I'm the man of God. <laughs> Don't bother me, woman. No, I'm kidding. I never said that. But, you know, I'll have to just get out of my chair, walk up the stairs, go over there. And just, Honey, I'm sorry. Yeah. For what? <laughs> That's my wife. For what? She don't. She don't hold nothing. She. I'm like, okay, good. Well, love you. <laughs> you want me to bring you some cookies or something? Last night she did. She was so tired. <laughs> Working Black Friday. <laughs> she said, "I'm just getting." <laughs> she said, "I'm just getting my. I'm just getting some leftovers, and I'm going to bed." And I'm like, okay. She so went made a plate, and I put it in the Christmas lights on, you know, on the tree because it's still being decorated, but the lights are on there. <laughs> and I was ready for her to come and sit down and us pray. And I saw her turn that corner and head up the stairs with her plate in her hand. I'm like, she's tired, man. I went up there a few minutes later. She was, oh my goodness. I don't think anyone should have to work retail during Christmas. It should all be done online. And they need a little helicopter so the Amazon drivers don't even have to work. Amen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. It's good to remember where you come from. Don't dwell on it. Don't live in the past. Sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. Amen. Cast all your cares, all your worries, concerns on the Lord Jesus. He wants you free. See yourself running through a beautiful sunshiny field with daisies and flowers and whatever makes you happy. And Jesus standing right there watching over you. The good shepherd who loves you. Amen. But look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm just laying some groundwork. I want this all on your mind. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, first, first things first, Paul says, I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving, it's always with thanksgiving to God. Amen. But first, pray. Be made for yourself. <laughs> Be made for those who've been good to you. Am I still missing it? What do you say? For what? All people. All people, he wants you to pray. First of all, I want you to pray for everybody. For kings and in our, in our culture, that would be presidents. Even if you don't like them, you get a vote. And all who, and if you don't like them because they have, they don't, they don't acknowledge God, what do you do? Pray for them that they will. 
Best thing can happen to them is what? Jesus get a hold of their heart. For kings and all who are in high positions. That means all, all leaders, all the way down to the to the school board. Huh? And your pastor. <laughs> Please pray for me. All who are in high positions that we made, and so that that we so you pray, so that you may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So is this saying, go stand on the street corner and make sure that those authorities see you praying for them so they'll be nice to you? No. He said, when you, when you do something good, you don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you go into your closet to pray. Huh? Said, so God is making the way. He is working in people's hearts. He's sending people across their paths to share the gospel with them. When you pray, so your prayers are powerful, folks. You pray so that you can live a peaceful life. And, not, and God says, if I see you praying, then I'll, I'll make things go good for you. No, no, no. There are spiritual laws at work. God's already been good to you through Jesus. The grace of God is already provided and established, but so are all these spiritual laws. The law of sowing and reaping, the law of faith, the law, there, all these things God has put in place. He's not up there making decisions prayer by prayer by person by person. Yes, yes, no, naughty list, nice. No. Adam, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's all. Your prayers are powerful. And you need to be praying for everybody. Anything you don't like in this life, don't avoid it. Pray, pray about it. Anyone. And you don't have to admit it. <laughs> because you know what? Love is not an emotion. I mean, hopefully you have some, some loving emotions. <laughs> hopefully you feel love for people. But... It doesn't, love is a choice. Huh? If you're married for any length of time, you know that. It's not always a warm and fuzzy feeling, but I, I, I still choose. You know? I choose to love because that's who I am. I don't let my flesh, even my fleshy mind, dictate. I let the Word of God dictate. The best I can. And when I don't, I don't run from God. I run, I fall forward, not backwards. I fall right into his arms and say, Oh Lord, did it again. He's like, I know. I dropped the ball right there, Lord. I know, son. Pick it up. Let's go. Let's go. You got this. For kings and all them godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants everybody saved. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. God loves people. First thing he said, do pray for everybody. So that, so that, 
So that means your prayer has power to provide you, to accommodate you with good things. Peaceful life. It says that, doesn't it? So that means your prayers are effective. Those who believe on Jesus will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Any of you be sick, come to the elders of the church, anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith. Then say, Mike, I don't even see any ambiguity there. Do you? There's a degree of certainty there. But do you believe it? All that raising from the dead. When's the last time you tried? I know some people who were dead. So too too late to unscramble these eggs. Huh? You can't you can't talk me out of it now. You know, even if you got a PhD in theology, I'm not gonna let you mess me up too. I know the king. I know how much he loves us all. God loves you and God loves people. He is immutable. That's one of the words that throw people off because it means that God can't change. When I used to play trumpet, we had uh, we would put in a mute, like a straight mute, a cup mute, you know, different make it have a different sound. You can change the sound. It's mute. If something's mutable, it's changeable. You put the I am in front, you can't change it. God is immutable. You can't change. But listen, it doesn't mean that God doesn't change his mind. It means that he doesn't change his character. God is love. Huh? And now that, and he's not going to change his mind. Jesus said, my peace I give to you in John 14, 27. Not as the world gives do I give to you. <laughs> my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So you have a part to play. You can lose that peace, can't you? You ever walked it and without peace? Because you didn't do your part. Let not your heart be troubled or afraid. Fear will rob you of the peace that is an abiding fruit of the Spirit in your life. It's there. It's in the wardrobe. Just go put it on, baby. And peace just looks so good on you. She just walks in peace in the midst of every storm in life. That is so beautiful. You know? He just doesn't let anything get to him. And he's so loving and caring, so it's not that he doesn't care. It's because he knows Jesus. He trusts Jesus. Because they trust in me. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is staying on me because they trust in me. I act like we've been here a long time, but I don't feel like we have. But anyway, I was just going to tell one story. Turn. <laughs> God's always willing and always wanting to be loving and gracious and merciful to folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what he needs? Someone to believe. He needs 
someone in an earth suit, to partner with him. Hallelujah. That's how it works. Go to Jonah. Jonah. Back in the Old Testament, just a little bit before you get to that blank page that means so much between Matthew and Malachi. This far. This far from the New Testament. One of the last minor prophets, which is a very major, huh? Jonah. I can't read the whole thing to you. Although I'd like to. I read it for you last night. Again and again. But Jonah... Jonah was special because he's so much like so many people of God, right? Jonah, God told, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah was a, a prophet of the Jews. One of God's prophets. And God told him, go down, go over to Nineveh and preach. <clears throat> and what he would be preaching would be judgment, right? But he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he hated Nineveh. I have right here written in the top of Jonah in my Bible. Nineveh, 120,000 people. It was the capital of Assyria. He hated the Assyrians. They were enemies of the Jews. I wrote that they were proud, idolatrous, ruthless nation bent on world conquest. And they were enemies of the Jews and they had done bad things to the Jews and this was their capital. It had 120,000 people in it. And God told Jonah, you know, the Old Testament, they didn't go prophesy grace and truth to people. They didn't go, they didn't go prophesy Jesus. They prophesied judgment, didn't they? Okay, so why didn't he want to go? Matter of fact, he went the other direction. And everywhere he went, if you, if you look at the geography of it, was down. Every step away from God was down. This was not a close place anyway. He was supposed to go a long ways one way, and he went a long ways the other way. And then he went down, 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 and he got on a ship, and then he went down into the bottom of the ship. And then... A storm came, terrible storm. It was going to destroy them. It was God. And all these men on the ship, they all had their own gods they worshipped or whatever. God put up with some of that for a time. But they said, what's going on here? And this dude is sleeping down there. And they're like, what did you, who are you? What do you do for a living, man? He said, uh, he told them. I'm the man of God. I, I, I serve the God who created the, the ocean and the dry land. And they were scared. And he said, it's because of me. They said, how do we stop it? He said, throw me overboard. 
That's all you got to. And they were scared to do that too. So they tried to roll harder and get away from the storm and it got worse. And so they begged God. They turned to his God. They said, please don't hurt us for throwing this man overboard. And they threw him over. And God provided him a big fish. He came and gobbled him up. Didn't eat him, but he gave him a, gave him a ride. Seaweed wrapped around his head and all that. In, that. in the belly of that fish, he prayed. He gave God glory and he repented. He caused him to go spit him out on the dry land. And he told him again, go. Go to Nineveh and preach. So he did. And the third chapter, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you again. <laughs> Remember the first time I told you? <laughs> uh, you you, you want to fight me again? <laughs> Basically, the way I see that, <laughs> don't, don't make me remind you what I had to do the first time. Okay, so I'm going to start over again. Like, like go to go preach over there, and, 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 and he said, "Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it." Again, he hated them, and he's going to get to go prophesy judgment and damnation to them. Why did he not want to go? Anyway, because he told him here, go against the message that I tell. Against it, the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, three days journey to in breadth. So he had walked three days across it preaching. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he's preaching judgment. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth. So they all repented and changed. And, <laughs> and then something wonderful happened. Look at the 10th verse of the third chapter. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. That word relented is used like 140 times in the Old Testament. You change one letter of that to P, and it's repented, right? You say, well, God can't repent. God never changes. God's immutable. God is, never changes his character, but he can change his mind. Now listen, we have a better covenant with better promises. God's not going to change his mind about you if you're in Christ. But listen, 40, 38% of the time, I don't even know how many times, I do remember it's 38% of the time that word is translated in, in the Old Testament, it's repented. It's the same word. And repent... We, we think of it as turning from our sin because it has a lot to do with repenting of our sins. But repentance has nothing to do with sin. It's changing your mind. So when we repent of our sin, it means we're changing our mind regarding that thing that we did that was opposed to God. And we turn and repent and we change our mind to agree with God. So God doesn't have to change his mind to agree with himself. But what he can do is when someone was bringing 
hardship or or judgment upon themselves, just like he did with Moses up on the mountain when he went up there and he said, get out off this mountain. I brought them out. I did all these wonderful things. They already sinned. They made golden calves. They're calling them gods. They're saying the calves are the things that brought them up. I'm going to destroy them all. I'm going to start over with you. And Moses prayed and God relented. Changed his mind. He repented. Because God is always wanting, always looking for just, just one person he told to Ezekiel. He said, just looking for one man to stand in the gap and pray for these people he, so I can be good to them. I need one person to believe. It said Noah believed God and just hit one man believing God doomed the rest of the world. But God is always good. And look what he said. God changed his mind. So look at the fourth chapter of Jonah. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly because God didn't have judgment on this city. It displeased the man of God and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, and this, look, this is what every prophet, which, listen, you're not all, all, all prophets that walk in the office of a prophet. There's a, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Those are the offices, the gifts that Jesus gave to the church to raise you up for the work of the ministry when he ascended, right? So not everybody walks in the office of a prophet, but all of you can prophesy. All of you can prophesy. So we'll include everybody because this is what, what, what Jonah did is what every prophet does when his, when, when his word doesn't come to pass, I might as well just die. That's what Jonah said. I might as well just die. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Listen, for I knew that you are gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. I knew you are going to be nice to these mean people. That's why I didn't want to come. Because <laughs> I hate them. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life. Or it's better for me to die than to live. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Andrew has a book called Self-Centeredness, The Root of All Kinds of Grief. Joyce Meyer bought about a hundred of them. She sent them to all the preacher friends she had. <laughs> Hilarious. That's a true story. True story. And the Lord told him, you, you don't, you're not doing good by being angry, Jonah. And Jonah went out of the city and he went over and he got sat down outside. He wanted to watch and see what happened to the city. And, and he was there and it was really hot, you know, in the Middle East out there. And, and God caused a, a plant to grow up and it provided shade for him and it made him really happy. And one day. And then... That night, God provided a worm and it ate the plant and caused it to die. 
And then Jonah was sad again, and he said, I might as well just die. Just kill me. Just kill me again. I'm just, that's, that's it. Because the plant died that provided him with shade. <laughs> now listen. It's better for me to die than to live. What a wimp. <laughs> but listen here. Verse 9, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish. But God said to Jonah, you do, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do. <laughs> he just, he got, he's sitting with his arms crossed like, like a little stubborn kid. Like, you can come out of the corner now. You're out of time out. No, I'll stay here. You know, it's something. Just get over here and sit down. I'm coming, but I'm. I'm really standing over there still. You know. You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many cattle. God says, you, 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 you're, you're upset over a plant that you didn't make, and you don't expect me, the God of all creation, to be concerned about 120,000 people who don't know me like you do. That word is not just for Jonah. That word is for every preacher and every Christian in the world. God loves people. For God so loved the world. Now, does that mean he loves the world system, the corruption in the world, the religion, false religions of the world, the terrible politics of... No. What's he talking about? People. For God so loved the people of the world that he gave his only son. You know, he you know God is not tied up with Black Friday like we are. He don't need anything off Amazon. So when he gave his only son, he bankrupted heaven temporarily to provide us with a way back to him. And he is not God's will that anyone should perish, but that everyone come to know Jesus and be saved. And listen, believe it or not, God needs you. When you were born again, <clears throat> John 3, 3, because unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You were born with something to offer. You've got a sphere of influence that I will never have, that Andrew Womack will never have. And he is available to literally billion, over a couple billion people a day now. They'll never hear him. And if they do, they won't hear him. You know who they'll hear? You. There's somebody out there. And if, as God said, one soul 
is more valuable than this whole world that he created and is going to destroy just like that plant. <laughs> it's not us. You don't have to go chain yourself to a tree. You know, such hypocrisy. We create the cleanest energy in the world. So let's buy it from countries who don't. God foresaw all the needs of this whole world before we were ever put here. Even our idiocy, our mistakes, all the craziness. But he loves people and he, he provided for every need until he destroys this world. But he loves people. He wants everybody saved. It's not his will. That's why Jesus hasn't come back yet. Jesus doesn't even know the date. The angels don't know the day. No man knows the day. Only the Father. And you know what he's waiting for? Us to pray and for as many as he can to get to know the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior and to come into the kingdom. He wants a family. Can I tell you just one more story? Y'all believe me, right? Jesus, you know how what a, how powerful you are, the authority you have. That's I'm not preaching on that today, but just telling you to pray. But it's powerful your prayers. Jesus said, "I'll build my church." in In, in Matthew sixteen eighteen, he said, "I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." And he said, "I give you." He was talking to Peter, but he was talking to the church. He was talking to his to believers. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's your home. It's only right that you should have a door key. But you need to believe that. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Your prayers are powerful, folks. There was a there was a preacher. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Final close. There was a preacher in the 1800s named George Mueller. He was a missionary. Hmm? Heard of him? He lived a terrible life till he was about 30. I got him beat by him. I, did, I went longer. Not proud of it, but he lived a bad life. Sinful life till he's about 30. Then he went to missionary school. He got saved. He went to missionary school. He wanted to be a missionary. But a lot of religion still in play back then. And he went before the board of missionaries. They turned him down because he had led too sinful of a life before he got saved. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. He said, God, what am I supposed to do? I know you called me to be a missionary. He said, I want you to pray. And he prayed for a whole year. And that can seem like an eternity, folks, when you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do. But preparation time is never wasted time. But he prayed for a whole year, and he'd been saving up, and God told him, I want you to go to this town. This town, I want you to go to this one town, I want you to, to preach. And he went to that town, he went to the only church in that town, he walked in there and he said, I'd like to speak to your pastor. They said, well, he resigned last Sunday. He said, well, I went to missionary school and uh, God called me to this city to, 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 to be a missionary. And they said, you're hired. 
<laughs> so he became their pastor. And the first thing that he did was he implemented tithing. He started teaching them about tithing because what they were doing was buying seats. I don't know if any of you ever heard that, but in some places they have done that, especially in the old days. But people would buy seats in the church so they could sit where they want to sit and had their name on the pew and all that nonsense. So anyway, we ain't going to talk about that, but that's wrong. Okay, it's not how God has set things up. So he started ministering to them about tithing because he wanted them blessed and he wanted them to understand how God gets gets funds to you and how he blesses the kingdom, the seed into the kingdom and seed back to the sower and all that. So he taught them about tithing and he put boxes. He wanted to be free will offering, so he didn't pass the basket. He put boxes by the back of the church for the offerings. That's, and that's, I, you know, so I didn't invent that, but that's, that's why I don't, I don't uh, use half the service to preach the offering. Because I want you to get a revelation of how God's plan for... Because Jesus says, if you don't understand the law of sowing and reaping, you're not going to understand anything I teach anyway. So I want you to understand it. That's why I minister about it a lot, or I slide things in about it so you understand, because I teach all about everything in this kingdom of God is in seed form. So, nevertheless, he implemented that about tithing, and they started, they opened um, uh, orphanage. And all through prayer and, 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 and learning the word of God, this church be, started just sowing and, and, and opening orphanages around the world. And, and, and the, at the end of the 1800s, uh, that church, George Mueller's church, their, their mission giving was seven and a half million dollars. George Mueller, he started more orphanages than any other missionary organization in history before that time or after or since. <clears throat> and it was all because he believed in the power of prayer and the goodness of God. And he taught the other believers to, to partner in, in that and to be a part of it. And what a blessing that was. When he got saved, George Mueller, he had five close friends. They're probably his running buddies, you know, road dogs, ride or dies, you know. And he started praying for them when he got saved. And the first 10 years, I don't know how long it took for all of them, but in the first 10 years after he got saved, three of those friends got saved. The fourth one was saved 25 years after he started praying for him. When he was on his deathbed, George Mueller, he lived 52 years after he got saved and served God 52 more years. On his deathbed, one of his friends heard him praying for that fifth friend still to be saved. And they watched as that fifth friend went to George Mueller's graveside and knelt down and gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful and your prayers are powerful. Amen. So never stop. Never stop praying and believing. Amen.
Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for teaching us to pray. Thank you for helping us to understand how powerful our prayers are and how much you need us and want us to pray and how much you love everyone, Lord. And just because someone is ugly, they act ugly, we don't know what they've been through, Lord. We don't know what's happened to them. We just know that once we were like them, maybe not necessarily the same things they're caught up in, but Lord, we were lost too. And lost is lost. Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? So we don't want anyone that we know to be apart from you. We want everyone to know you and love you. So we pray for everyone that we know, Lord, and we pray for everyone that you put on our heart, Lord. Help us to remember that, to not let the enemy steal this from us, the fact that we are your children and that we are created beings and we are powerful and our prayers matter and that Jesus is at your right hand interceding and he hears our prayers and they get through. We don't have to get them through. We don't need to get them through the atmosphere. You are in us and you hear us. You are with us. You will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and that we are your children. And thank you for all those who will come to know you and that we will see and meet in heaven because of our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.